Good morning everyone and welcome to Sunday Online here at New Life and welcome to one of my very favorite spots to be. You know, if you were here with me right now in the middle of the Wasaga Provincial Park forest trails, you could see that I'm kind of surrounded on all sides by some of the great big dunes that we have here. And one of the reasons that I enjoy this spot so much, especially in the winter when these dunes are covered in snow, is they act as a really, really good sound barrier. So this, for me, is just a wonderful place of silence. And that's what we're getting ready to talk about this week and next week, is the practice of rest, creating rhythms of Sabbath. And that's what this place helps me to do. I can come here, rest in the silence, and enjoy God's presence. If you were with us last Sunday, our guest, Matt Vincent from Being Christ Canada, shared with us on the practice of silence, and he took us through this little exercise at the end of his talk on some prayerful silence. And one of the phrases that he encouraged us to use in our practice of prayerful silence, you know, if, if our minds started to kind of wander away or be distracted a little bit, was this, Jesus, I'm here and I'm listening. And that's one of the things that I love to do in this place, in the silence, is to walk out here, to stand in the silence, to listen to the wind in the trees and maybe the occasional squirrel chattering at me, and just to say, Jesus, I'm here and I'm listening. The other thing that I'm glad to have the opportunity to do this morning is just to look into the camera for the first time and to say to you, Happy New Year. You know, we're closing the book on 2020, and maybe you're saying, wow, that is a good thing. I am glad to close the book on that year. It was a weird and challenging year for all of us with what we walked through with our experience with COVID. And I've been so glad the last couple of weeks as new life has just kind of slowed down its activity and had what we called our Christmas Sabbath to have some more time to come and to be in this place and places like it to reflect back and to say, Jesus, I'm here and I'm listening and to consider the ways that God has been faithful to me and to us as a church family in that weird and challenging year and as I sat in the silence, I could think of all sorts of ways that he has been faithful. And those are some of the things that we want to consider this morning. So I'd like to share a song with you now, and its language is all around God's faithfulness, his promises to us. And I hope that the words to this song help to usher you into a state of reflecting on God's faithfulness to you personally as we begin our day together. I hope that was helpful for you, and as you reflected using those words, you could see places in the past year where God has been faithful to you personally, to your family, to your loved ones, to your friends, and to our church, our New Life community that we're so blessed to have taken the journey of 2020 with. I hope you caught one of the lines that was repeated in the middle of that song, you know, I will rest in your promises. We rest in his promises. And reflecting on his faithfulness gives us the hope of being able to rest in his promises 
for the future. And I hope that's real for you this morning. Well, before Paul comes to talk to us about the rhythms of rest and Sabbath, here's a little something else to help you consider the idea of resting in God's promises because of his faithfulness. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope that your new year is off to a great start. Mine is. I've taken a few days to come out to this cabin in the woods. We have family who uh, graciously let me come out and use this little tiny cabin. There's no electricity, there's no running water, and it's an opportunity to just uh, literally be in the woods, tending to the fire, chopping wood, and, and um, living really simply. And so I thought it would be a good place to share uh, what's on my heart for us as we head into uh, 2021. Part of my being here is because I need to get away and be by myself so that I can reorient myself. Because it's so easy to get tangled up in the things of life. We all live tangled lives. One author has said, we, we live tangled lives because we live in a tangled world. And part of doing things like this is to remind myself that I've been untangled and I don't have to go back into living a tangled life. And that's kind of what I want to share with us today. See, as we're, as we're in 2021 and we're in this lockdown, uh, this time around, it's not so fun. The first time around, a lot of people thought, well... It's forcing us to slow down and we're going to embrace this and enjoy um, a change of pace. And I think one of the things that, this, that the pandemic has done for us is it's reminded us of, of how tangled we are with life and, and the messages from a tangled world that confuse us about who we are, about whose we are, and about what gives life meaning. And so we had good intentions of embracing that change, but quickly found out that we were just replacing what we used to do, um, the things we used to go after with, with other things, and taking on new messages from a tangled world that just fill us with, with confusion at times, or fill us with despair. And that's what leading me, that's what's leading me into today in wanting to share about the concept of Sabbath, a gift from God that orients us towards Jesus. And I want to talk about the rhythms of practicing Sabbath today. Even doing this is really, um, you know, being willing to embrace a Sabbath disposition or a heart that embraces the concept of Sabbath. So I want to talk about Sabbath where we first meet it in, in the scriptures, and that's actually in the creation story. In Genesis 1, God creates in six days, and each day there is evening and there is morning. There's an accounting of time, and each day is good. But when we get to the seventh day, it's not called good, it's called something different. And this is what we read in Genesis 2. The creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. That's the idea of Sabbath. God rested. And God blessed the seventh day, and he declared it holy. Because it was on that day when he rested from the work of creation. So the Sabbath day, the seventh day, isn't called good. It's called holy. And there's something 
uh, meaningful and significant about that. We spend most of our lives pursuing things, um, living in a spatial world. Other creation stories deal with the place of creation. The biblical account deals with the time of creation. And specifically, the seventh day, the culmination of it all, is a day that is called holy. And there's something there that we need to pay attention to. It is set apart. It is a day that is set apart. That's one of the meanings of holy. It means pure, but it also means to be set apart. So we're introduced to Sabbath in the creation story. And then we bump into it again in the Exodus story. The Israelites have been in Egypt. They're freed. Moses comes and he frees them from slavery through the mighty acts of God. And they are now just out of Egypt and they're in the desert, in the wilderness. And they receive the commandments from God. And part of those commandments are the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are given to us twice in Exodus 20 and in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And the fourth commandment is the commandment to keep the Sabbath, to observe the Sabbath. Now, in the Exodus, in the Exodus account, uh, there's a reason why they are to observe the Sabbath. And this is what we read. <clears throat> the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. In six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why he blessed the Sabbath and set it apart as holy. So in the, in the Exodus account of the Ten Commandments in observing the Sabbath, it is tied back to creation, back to Genesis 2. It is tied back to the Garden of Eden. God rested when he finished creation. He gave us the example of the rhythm, the pattern of rest, and it's placed in the Garden. Now, if we jump to Deuteronomy chapter 5, we get the Ten Commandments again. Deuteronomy kind of means the second law, the second time around. Let me give it to you again. So we receive the Ten Commandments again. And this time, the Sabbath, the fourth commandment, is they are admonished to keep the Sabbath. And then we read this in verse 15 in Deuteronomy 5. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. So in Deuteronomy, it's not tied back to creation and to Eden. It's tied to the Exodus, to their uh, freedom from slavery, their freedom from being tangled. And it's about the journey to the new promised land, to, a, in some respects, an eternal promised land. And if you go back to the Exodus account, when they receive the, the commandments in Exodus 20, um, it's this reminder that, that God has given you an example. God has given you something special. It's holy. It's a holy day. It's holy time. Just jump back a few chapters to Exodus 16. And it's the story of the people as they're in the desert. They're receiving manna every morning. And God says, collect manna every day. But on the sixth day, collect twice as much. Because on the seventh day, I don't want you to worry about that. I will provide for you. And yet some of them still go out on the seventh day and they find that there's no manna there. And God says to Moses, like, how long is it going to take these people to, to understand what I'm giving them and to obey what I've asked them to do? And then he says in, in Exodus 16, I think it's, uh, I can't remember the verse, but he says, Did, help them realize that this is a gift for them. And the Sabbath is a gift, but it's a gift that we have to receive. Now, this is the time of year that 
that a lot of people go out and they do things like buy a treadmill and uh, they gift themselves. I sure hope that you didn't gift somebody with a treadmill this year. Um, probably not the nicest gift to give somebody. But if you did, whatever, you deal with that. But a lot of people gift themselves with things like a treadmill and they say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to use this this year and, and make changes. And see, here's the thing. When a gift isn't used, it has no value. And so what ends up happening with a lot of those treadmills is they get pushed into a corner. They're used a little bit. They get pushed into a corner. Uh, we know that there's something good in them for us, but we just end up using them as a shelf or a hanger. And they collect junk, clothes and boxes, and, and they get buried. And I think sometimes that's maybe how we treat Sabbath. We play around with it, but particularly for Christians, we kind of feel like, well, that's, that's kind of an Old Testament thing. And, and that's not really for us because, because Jesus has, has uh, fulfilled all of the law. I, I think it's a gift that we need to pay attention to. And uh, it goes all the way back to the creation story from the very beginning. It's not tied just to, to the commandments. It's from the very beginning, a pattern that God has set for us, a day that he deems holy. Abraham Heschel, who's a Jewish rabbi, has written a book called The Sabbath. And in it, at the very end, he just writes this phrase, Eternity utters a day, and that day is the Sabbath, and that day is a gift. Dakota, come here. I brought my dog with me, and uh, she wants to go inside where it's, uh, where it's warm, but she'll have to wait. I'm tied into a microphone here, so I just can't get up. So all of these things, creation, exodus, uh, if we pay attention to it, we'll see the exodus story uh, throughout Scripture. In fact, the exodus story... Um, when we connect it with Sabbath, we, we realize something. As, as they were journeying to the promised land, one of the things God wanted them to do was to practice Sabbath every seven days. And it wasn't just the day, it was the disposition of reorienting themselves toward God. Because the six days of the week would, would take plenty out of them. And God was saying, on this day, I want you to trust me. I'll provide for you this day. But I also give you the things that you need, the gifts that you can't get anywhere else. And when you look for Exodus and when you look for Sabbath, you see it throughout the scriptures. See, the Exodus story isn't just Israel's story. It's your story. It's my story. It's about being freed. It's about being untangled. And, and it's pointing ahead to something greater. You know, being immersed in creation in Eden, being immersed in... Exodus and the journey towards a promised land, Sabbath is a gift that is pointing us to a greater reality. And that brings us to, to the scene of, of Jesus. Jesus, uh, when we follow his life in the Gospels, you see Exodus all throughout his teaching, through his actions of healing and releasing people. And you see Jesus interacting with the Sabbath over and over again. So in Luke chapter 4, Jesus, we're told, he went to the synagogue with his people, as was his custom, as usual. It was something that he practiced as a Jewish man. He enjoyed the rhythm of Sabbath. And so he teaches when he's in, in the synagogue on the Sabbath. 
But then you also read in Mark chapter 2 or in Matthew chapter 11 and other places like that, that Jesus heals people on the Sabbath or he lets his disciples pick grain on the Sabbath, which apparently was, uh, was forbidden from the oral law. And it's kind of like the rabbis built fences around the law and tried to keep people um, you know, as far as possible from even considering breaking the law. And Jesus challenges that because Sabbath isn't meant to be a taskmaster for us. It's actually meant to free us from the taskmasters, not become another one. And I think that's what Jesus was challenging, was that um, they had just turned the Sabbath into another taskmaster. And so in, in Mark 2, 27, uh, Jesus actually challenging the, the Jewish leader says, the Sabbath is meant to meet the needs of the people, not the other way around. It is made for humanity. Humanity was not made for Sabbath. It is a gift, is basically what he is saying, which is exactly what we see in Exodus chapter 16. And then in Matthew 12, verse 28, Jesus says, you know, you need to understand something. The Son of Man is Lord over the Sabbath. And when Jesus uses the term Son of Man, he's referring to himself. And so in essence, he is saying, I am Lord over the Sabbath. Which is interesting, because in Genesis 2, God rested on the Sabbath and he declared that day holy. He blessed that day. And here's Jesus saying, just as you see Yahweh as Lord of the Sabbath, so I too am Lord of the Sabbath. Here's where it gets fun, and you would have seen this in the video this morning. When Jesus uh, was crucified, that was the kind of the day before the Sabbath. And then they put him in the tomb and got all of that prepared so that they wouldn't break Sabbath rituals. But here's the thing. Jesus rested in the tomb on the Sabbath. And then he rose the very next day, which is which is in many ways symbolic of the fact that Sabbath doesn't end. It doesn't go back to day one. It's not repeated. It actually continues. And Jesus is saying, I am Lord over the Sabbath, and I'm giving the Sabbath to you as a gift. And the eighth day is this symbolism of the fact that Sabbath doesn't end. Now Sabbath is available for everybody all of the time. We don't have to live tangled lives over and over and over again. And, and this all kind of comes to culmination in Hebrews 3 and 4. The author of Hebrews takes kind of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and he shows how they blend together really well. And in Hebrews chapter 3, uh, we read that... Um, Moses and the things that he did are symbolic of greater truths and realities. In Hebrews uh, chapter 3, verse 5, let me find this for us. Hebrews 3, verse 5, Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths that God would reveal later. And then in Hebrews chapter 4, he, he, he moves from 3 to 4 into saying, you know, don't harden your hearts to what God is giving you. And he begins to talk about this Sabbath rest, and the people didn't get to enter the promised land because they disobeyed. And it's the symbolism of the fact that when we harden our hearts towards God, we can't receive what he has prepared for us. And, and Sabbath rest is something that God has prepared for everyone. 
And then in chapter 4, he just goes on to allude to the fact that Jesus, Jesus is our Sabbath rest. And, and um, in verse 6 in chapter 4, he says, God's rest is there for people to enter. And then in verse 10, he says, all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. And the author is saying the time for entering God's rest is today in verse 7. Today is a time for entering God's rest. And it's this idea of coming to Jesus to have ourselves reoriented, to have ourselves made new, to be freed and to live new, untangled, unencumbered lives where we are convinced and sure of our identity, of who we are, to whom we belong, of whose we are, and of the meaning uh, that is in life for each and every one of us. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. So I want to go back and, and finish up with something Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. He was talking to crowds of people. And he could see that they were, in some ways, exhausted with life. Not unlike today. And in Matthew 11, verse 26, he says, No one knows the Father except the Son. No one knows the Son except the Father. And then he says, Are you tired out? Are you, are you worn down? Are you weary with religion, with life? Then come to me and receive rest. I will give you rest. Here's that Sabbath invitation. Jesus is inviting us to come to him, to have our lives reoriented towards him. And when we keep our lives oriented towards him, it actually allows us to live untangled lives, where we're not confused about who we are, where we're not confused about our identity, where we understand our meaning and our purpose and our value for life. Sabbath reorients us towards Jesus and Jesus helps us live untangled lives. There's a lot more that I, that I can say and, and next week we're going to talk about this idea of, of one day in seven of turning toward God. And I'm going to connect this with the idea of, of repentance, which is maybe not what you would think, but we'll talk about that next week. And we're going to talk about the idea of, of Sabbath as something that, that we do together. But for today, I just am hoping to let you see how the, a Sabbath heart, a Sabbath disposition is a gift from God. It is, it is a day. And I don't think we should let go of that day. The, the rhythm of taking one day in seven and resting. And not running after all the things that we think we need to get done now that we're not working but trusting God. And it means reorienting your life. It means reordering your life so that you can practice Sabbath. Because Sabbath is about not just rest, not just sleeping on the couch all day, but about having your heart turned back to God. And that takes intentionality. That doesn't happen all by itself. And so here's my encouragement for you. For the next month, Rearrange your world, rearrange your life to give yourself 24 hours. And Sabbath always starts in the evening. And there was evening and there was morning the first day, the second day, the third day, the seventh day. Sabbath starts with a good sleep. 
give yourself a good sleep, and then use the following day to rest, to engage in things that fill you up with joy, with pleasure. Celebrate, celebrate with other people somehow in this era in which we live. Figure out how you can do that together. And let it turn your heart toward God. Be intentional about, about how, you, how you hear from him and receive from him. And so I'm going to give you that encouragement. For one month, try it. And trust God with that day that all the things you think need to get done will get done. But it might mean that you have to reorder the rest of your week. And then practice the rhythm of Sabbath, the day of Sabbath. Create a heart that is, that is Sabbath-oriented. Be reoriented towards Jesus. And learn to enjoy living an untangled life. Father, our prayer this morning is that you would allow us to see the wisdom of being still so that we can know you are God. And as we practice a Sabbath rhythm, as we let our hearts become oriented toward you, may we see you, Jesus, in fresh ways, our Sabbath rest, who is inviting us to come and to receive from him what only he can give. Thank you for times like this, in quietness and solitude, together in community, celebrating who you are, God, and what you've done, that you've created, that you've created an Eden for us, that you've freed us, that in the journey of our own uh, path towards uh, a final promised land of being with you, is the rhythm of Sabbath to remind us of that again and again, that we have been freed, we can live untangled lives. And with your help, may that be so for each and every one of us. Amen. We'll see you next week as we talk about kind of turning back towards God in a Sabbath rhythm and how that happens in community. Bye for now.